I'm Colin. And I'm Megan. And this is Pet Sitter Sitter Confessional, Confessional, an open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Brought to you by Time to Pet. One of the hardest things about being a pet sitter is being consistent with the trainings and commands that a client is trying to teach their dog, especially a brand new puppy. And during the COVID-19 pandemic, there was a record number of both adoptions and purchases of dogs for people who were going into quarantine. So as everything starts to open back up, there actually is a real need for us pet sitters to be consistent in administering that training and being able to provide good quality feedback to the owners on how their dog is or isn't doing. On today's episode, Debbie, the owner of Playtime Paws and the host of Your New Puppy podcast, joins us to discuss how we as pet sitters can make sure that a puppy is set off on the right path from the very beginning and how we can be consistent and communicate well with the clients. Let's get started. Um, Well, my name is Debbie Salento and I live in New Jersey, born and raised, and I'm a dog trainer. I actually think of myself as more of a dog owner trainer. Um, because I like to focus on owner education and teach about dog behavior, um, because I think of it as more of a teach a man to fish type of thing. Like Mm. I want you to be able to, when I, when you walk out of my class or you walk out, I walk out your door, I want you to have enough knowledge to continue training your dog. So if I come in and I just tell you how to, to, you know, fix one behavior, well, what about the three other behaviors that might happen after that? So that's why I like to teach like why and help you help my clients see the world through their dog's eyes and how they best learn overall. I feel like that can get lost in the shuffle sometimes of, of how much onus is on the owner to, to be trained and to be knowledgeable yeah. as opposed to trying to quote unquote fix the dog. Right. Yes. And it's something that I focus on because I do struggle with it sometimes. And kind of why I love the online training and, you know, my own podcast, because it removes me and the dog relationship kind of out of it. You know what I mean? Like when I walk into a house, my owner just expects me to like train their dog. And I'm like, no, no, no. I need to show you how to train your dog. (laughs) And it kind of removes that you know, expectation where it's like, okay, I got to learn this. So then, because everybody's almost like a mini dog trainer that specializes in their own dog. Mm -hmm. Really what it comes down to. Where did your passion come from for training dogs and being a dog owner trainer? Oh my goodness. That, (laughs) I can back that back a very long time. I was one of those kids uh, if there was an animal, especially a dog, within like a five mile radius, like I would find it and try to pet it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I really was. I mean, I don't, I can't remember any school project, science fair, anything that didn't center around some kind of animal. Mm. It's funny. I have a story. When I was in like fourth or fifth grade, we had to do a book report on a biography. And somehow I found the biography of Sandy, the dog from Annie. Oh, what? There's a... I, did it, I did it on that. Like that's, that's how like bad the obsession was. Wow. Well, that's, <laughs> so, I, did, I had no idea somebody wrote, would have written a biography about that dog. I, you know, and I've looked for it since and I can't find it. Oh. Like, but I, and I remember thinking like the teacher's never going to prove this. And she w- didn't seem surprised that I found it. 
Um, but you know, and then it just manifested from there and, and, you know, so I've always had dogs. I've always been surrounded by dogs, always been in a dog family. The training part of it really happened when I got my girls. Cause I was already in like the pet sitting realm. I had left my corporate job to do pet sitting. And ultimately I wanted to open up a doggy daycare. But when I got my girls, things kind of took a different path because um, it was before I knew better. And I adopted two female dogs that weren't already bonded that were around a year old. So it was like this trifecta of problems waiting to happen. And they did. Mm. And I went through a line of really bad trainers or trainers who just wouldn't listen because I knew that they had a good relationship. They just had these triggers that would just would send them into a fight Um, until I found an amazing trainer who came in, said like three things to me and like changed my world. And I was like, there needs to be more trainers like him out there. And I hired him as my mentor. Mm. And here we are today. Yeah. And I, that's why I focus on, you know, the bad, the trainers, they weren't bad trainers, but they focused on like the dogs mm. and what needs to happen with them. And I'm like, no, 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 teach me. I'm willing. I have the time. I want to do the work. And like, they didn't even like want to hear that. Wow. So I'm like, I, I need to get out there and do more owner education. Cause that's really where it starts. So how would you describe your training technique? Well, I focus on dog behavior. So it's more, I want you to have a well-mannered dog. So I'm going to teach you how to build good habits, both for your dog and starting with your own. So I don't, I don't do a whole lot of obedience. Like I do the basic stuff. But I kind of stopped there because I feel like if you just have every day, and I mean, don't get me wrong, I think obedience is very important and and it's it's definitely part of training your dog. But I feel like if you focus on the habits that you build with your dog, you'll have that well-behaved everyday dog without having to tell them what to do every moment. So that's that's what I focus on. And that's why I I gear myself towards puppies, because that is like the best time to start new habit. Yeah. And so today we are going to talk about, about puppies and I, and you mentioned it earlier, you, you have, mm-hmm. you have and host your own podcast about puppies and what, yes. what made you want to start that? Well, that's because I just felt, you know, I wanted to start a podcast and I, I looked around and I was like, you know what? I'm like, it's puppy owners there's so much more information that you need and specific information you need when you get a new puppy. And I didn't see any podcasts out there doing that. So I'm like, I'm going to focus on puppies. And I knew that. And what I just mentioned before, I'm like, that's when I want to get in there. You know, like if I can get in there right away and give even future puppy owners, because there's a good portion of my um, listeners that are preparing for their puppy and I can give them really simple, like down to earth, real life information to prepare them and be able to deal with the puppies that they have. Mm -hmm. Like I want to set them up for the rest of their relationship. You know, I'm like, if I can help like one dog at the age of 10 months old to not go to the shelter because the parents just weren't prepared for how much work a puppy takes, then I would 
that would satisfy me. Like that, that would make yeah. my for my life, you know? Mm-hmm. That's why I was like, and plus a lot of information that puppy owners need reg- are the same as what any dog owner needs. So I knew that a lot of that information would overlap and get myself in there. Yeah. So I know there's a, there's a lot of crossover between there. And then, you know, us as, as pet sitters, we're, we're kind of in this, this weird little bubble off to ourselves because we're not the owners, but we interact with them a lot. And so, you know, how should we prepare ourselves before we take on sitting and caring for a puppy as a pet sitter? Uh, it, that, that's a, that's a tough one. Puppies take a lot of energy and a lot of time and you need to have like eyes on dog all the time before you go in and even like pet set a puppy, whether it's walking them or, or, or boarding them or whatever it is, you're going to want to talk to the owner and get like, what are their house rules? And what is the puppy's general schedule? Because even more so with like an adult dog, like that's going to be really important because a puppy's learning everything. And, you know, so all these habits are going to be new. So say the dog isn't allowed on the couch, right? They don't want the puppy on the couch. And say you let them on the couch because in your house, that's okay. Well, they're going to go home with this bad habit. Mm-hmm. and that can happen with an older dog too. But like when a dog's four or five years old and for four years, they weren't allowed on the couch in their own home. Like they're, it's going to take the owner what twice to show them off the couch and then it's over with a puppy and everything's new and they're learning everything. You really want to hold tight to what the owner's house rules would be. And their schedule is really important, especially when it comes to like potty training and, you know, getting the exercise and getting outside when they're used to, when they're used to going, you don't want to have them start having accidents inside because you didn't realize that the owner gets up at 5am to let them out. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> that's, that's always a fun surprise during the meet and greet of, oh, they sleep through the night. And then their night is quote unquote, from like 11 until four in the morning. And you're like, that's <laughs> not a normal night, but okay, I'm glad I know that now. But it's <laughs> right, right. And I mean, just like with any dog, if you're boarding the puppy in your house, like, with a different environment, all of like that can change, but, um, you know, like they're, they can be really uprooted with their schedule, but you, yeah. you try to hold close to it. And I think that's more important for puppies more, even more so than, than an adult dog. So as pet sitters, again, since we're not, not there all the time, but we do interact with them a lot. What are right. some basic maybe training or handling skills that we should have when dealing with a puppy? Well, like I mentioned before, I mean, the, the, the foundation that I, I always start with my clients is supervision. Like that is, it seems so like such a simple concept, but like, I almost have to teach clients how to supervise the dog. Like it's eyes on dog because puppies will get in trouble in a second and it's incredibly important and they need exercise and you need house rules. Like those are like the three foundations of puppy training. You should probably also have a good understanding of crate training and how that works. Uh, The biggest thing with crate training that my clients struggle with is when the puppy winds in the crate, they're like, oh my gosh, they hate his crate. I got to let him out. Where Mm. it's like, no, no, not the crate they hate. It's being separated from you that they hate and you got to let them wind it out because they need to learn that. So knowing kind of the the nuances of crate training can be very important. And of course, potty training. 
those are probably two really big topics uh, yes. that you could spend spend all day on. Yes, but, but, I have entire episodes, maybe two or three of them, dedicated to right. those topics. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to get the, into them further, but I mean, sure, do we have three or four episodes, no problem. Well, <laughs> I think we can touch on we can touch on potty training because, yeah. as as you mentioned, again, the schedule is so important. So, right. so what else can we do to help that process and keep it moving forward? Okay. Well, when potty training, there's, you know, besides knowing the schedule, there's three, only three places a potty training puppy should be Mm. outside, closely supervised, maybe even tethered to you or in their crate. That's it. Because that's going to prevent the accidents inside that's creating a habit. Like potty training is a habit training. You know, we're getting them into the habit of going outside. So to prevent accidents, they're only in one of those three places. So if you're they're not in their crate, you're supervising them because if an accident starts, you're scooping them up and bringing them outside. Mm-hmm. And then the crate itself is what prevents accidents. It teaches them, all right, I can't just go when I have to go. I have to hold it until I get to where I'm supposed to go. So those are the only three places a potty training puppy should be. And then on top of that, when in doubt you take the puppy out. Mm. Like that's the mantra. Like I have like a little poster that I give to my clients, like put this on your wall (laughs) that if you have any kind of idea, it's like, Oh, do you think the puppy has to go? Like, even if it's like, say a stop by and they drink water while you were there Mm -hmm. and you're like, "Mm, should I bring them outside again? Or just put them in there, bring them out. Yeah. Like if it's ever like this little inkling or tickle in the back of your mind that maybe the dog has to go, take them out. If you're doing drop-ins, take them out as soon as you get there, let them play, then take them out once or two more times before you leave. Yes. Just to, you know, just more is, is never enough in those instances. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I'd rather you take them out 16 more times right. than you do <laughs> than have an accident inside. Yeah. And if you're not, if you haven't been around puppies or if you never grew up with puppies and you only had older dogs, that mm-hmm. that can be hard to keep track of because, you know, you're, do, you're busy doing other stuff. You're playing with the dog and time can get away from you. Yes. So it's, it's something to just have on your brain. And I like yes. the idea of having a giant poster by a door or maybe a reminder <laughs> on your phone or something like that. It's time yes. to do this. Yeah. Oh, alarms on your phone. Oh my goodness. That's like how I live. <laughs> Seriously, you know, because typically, I mean, it also depends on the age of puppy. Um, You know, the rule of thumb is they they can hold it for every hour for every month they are old. So a three month old puppy can hold it for three hours. If they're a medium to large breed, you can push that an hour. Mm. And so I always I'm like, if you're home, if you're around, like cut that in half and set alarms on your phone, you know, and also control the water. That's a big one that a lot of people resist is you control the water as much as you control the food. You can give them water as much as you want, but don't just let them have access to it because how easy is it for them to go and take a drink? And then 10 minutes later, they have to go when you took them out 10 minutes ago. Yeah. You know, so it's, you can offer it to them, but then in your head, you're like, all right, in 10 to 20 minutes, I got to take this dog back out. And that can be hard for people too, of, of, I don't want to withhold the water. I feel like I'm denying them something. They should have access to that. But in these critical stages of potty training, like that is a, a, a keystone feature of that. Yes. And that's why, that's why people resist it. And I totally get it because I used to think that I was like, like when my trainer first told me that, or my mentor was like, you know, teaching me about puppies and stuff. I was like, I don't know. I don't know about that. But 
you can offer it. I mean, if you want to offer the puppy water every hour, that's fine. But just so you are conscious of when they are drinking. Like if you offer a puppy water every two to four hours during the day, then they're, they're going to be fine. You know, if they're, if there's extra exercise or if it's super cold or super hot out, sure, offer it to them more. But it's more about the controlling of it, not the withholding of it. Yeah, it's that being remembering to be mindful of the, you know all those things that we just talked about. It's being mindful and, and really watching that clock. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And when in doubt, you know, take them out more right. than they need to go. I think a, a kind of a unique feature or something that's a unique problem to pet sitters, or pet care providers, is that we we get a lot of like one-time visits where we're only going to see the dog or the puppy one time because the owner's moving or you know they're they're just coming into town for one time or something like that. I'm interested in 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 because this has happened to my wife and I. Um, we we have had people who are moving and the only time they need us is because they need us to watch the dog while they're emptying their house or something like that. And they're moving okay. off to California and I'm never going to see them again. How can we make, as a pet sitter, how can I make the most of a one-time sit, one-time care session with a puppy? Or is that even possible? <laughs> <laughs> well, well then, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing is, is, you know, when you only see a dog once, how much effect can you have? But you know, a puppy's biggest needs is um, exercise. When I say exercise with a puppy, that's more like play and enrichment. It's not necessarily taking them for a long walk. In fact, young puppies shouldn't be going for or don't even like going for long walks. And getting some socialization in there because a puppy cannot be over-socialized. And this is something that even though a lot of people are like, yeah, yeah I know socialization is important. Like they really miss how important it is. And it can be something as simple as like handling the puppy, you know, mm. like checking their teeth and, and playing with their paws or bring them to a new park or something like that. And if you go and socialize a puppy and you bring them back to a owner that's moving, that puppy is going to be exhausting because that. Yeah exhausts a puppy more than anything discovering new things so even if they're moving they're going to tell your five friends their five neighbors hey yeah. <laughs> i have pet sitter and look at this tired dog it's the best yeah <laughs> so, you know having a sleeping puppy is like a novelty a lot of the time mm -hmm. yes <laughs> and Again, the socialization is not only going to tire them out, but it's so, so, so incredibly beneficial to the, to the dog itself that, that that would probably be your best bet. Mm. You mentioned socialization there, and, and yeah. that's something else that I wanted to touch on too. And you talked about handling the puppy, checking their teeth, taking to the park. Are, are there any other good safe ways to socialize a puppy, maybe you know, amongst other dogs too? Ooh, that's a, that's another big topic. Yeah. <laughs> well, socialization, it's, it's, you know, yes, it's playing with other dogs, of course. And it's also, it goes from playing with other dogs, meeting new people, not just people, you know, like women, men, men in hats, you know, kids, kids is like a whole separate, um, category because, you know, they make all different noises and their body language is so erratic and environments and sounds. So the biggest struggle I have with convincing my clients they need to start socializing their puppies is with vaccines. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, my dog's not vaccinated yet. But the prime time to socialize the puppy, get them out there meeting new people, seeing new things is between three and 16 weeks, which is exactly when they're not <laughs> vaccinated. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I can, you know, up and down tell you about all the studies and all the all the stats that a puppy is more likely to go into a shelter because of behavior problems, because of lack of socialization, than to get sick when they're a puppy. Mm. But that still doesn't convince them. Because I understand there's vets that tell you this, and I'm not a vet, and they have a lot more schooling than I do. So I totally get that. So you want to, you, you still want to get the socialization in there. But you take them to places, like a walk down your street is going to be fine. You know, or, you know, a walk in the park will be fine as long as you don't let the puppy like eat things in the grass or, you know, go where there's a lot of other dogs. Like, don't bring them to a dog park. Don't bring them into a pet store, you know, because the diseases that they're worried about aren't airborne. It's not like you're going to take them somewhere outside your house and they're going to catch a cold and get super sick and, and die, you know, it's, yeah, they might get, they might, so yes, they might get a cold, but that's not, that, that does, that's not debilitating. Like they're worried about parvo, which you can only, a puppy can only get from another infected dog by eating their feces or eating their vomit or like Mm -hmm. something like they have to ingest something from that dog. So it's not easy for them to get it. And if you're careful about it, then you're really minimizing those risks. So that's something that I always like, I constantly have to like educate owners about. I I can see your first instinct is new puppy. I'll put them around all the dogs and they'll be just fine. But, but as you mentioned, if they're not, they're not vaccinated yet. So you're really putting them in danger and kind of walking that fine line of, you know, maybe having some serious repercussions. So doing other things in lieu of putting them around a bunch of dogs, the big dog parks, those kind of things. Right. Until you get to that point. Yeah. No, no dog parks, <laughs> no <laughs> parks for puppies. I say not even until they're like six months to a year old. And that's only if you've been socializing them with other dogs, because you never know what you're going to find at a dog park. I mean, dog yeah. parks are great and they're such a great resource and dogs have so much fun with them. But for puppies, it's, you never know what's going to be there. Yeah. And puppies are targets for like the bullies on the playground. You know, like if you have a dog that's really an adult dog, that's really not that well socialized, you know, there's no stopping the owner from not realizing that because yeah. sometimes you just don't know. And they bring them to a dog park and your puppies there, the puppies get picked on yeah. because they're the, you know, they're the weakest member of the pack at that point. And that's why I love, love daycares, mm. love them because, you know, all the dogs are healthy. And they're all temperament tested. And, you know, there's one, maybe two people there that are trained to know what proper play is. So not only is, are they being socialized with other dogs in a nice, safe, clean environment, but any inappropriate play is taken care of. So your puppy's learning how to appropriately play with other dogs, which is key. And so I'm always a big advocate of daycares, like just bring them a few hours a week, you know, and that, and they get so much exposure. And for a dog who isn't vaccinated yet and isn't really fully socialized yet, it's such a great option. Mm. Puppy classes too. That's why I like them too. You mentioned it a little earlier about people surrendering a puppy 
and and what are some common reasons people do that? And I and I think for this discussion, more importantly, is as pet sitters, how can we help the owners avoid that? What kind of tools or things can we push them to educate them with? Oh, I love this question because it it hits on why I started, you know, training and specializing in puppies. You know, the biggest reason why dogs get surrendered is because of behavior problems. Now, why are those, why do they have behavior problems? I find that a lot of surrendering happens like right around a year. Like if you go into the shelter, that seems to be like a really popular age. And I think it's because dog owners, especially new ones, like new puppy owners who've never owned a puppy before, like underestimate the amount of work a puppy takes. And how long that work is, you know, it's not just for a few months during potty training. Like a, a puppy is going to have high energy, rebellious stages, need a lot of management and supervision and training up through like 18 to 24 months. Mm. And people don't realize that. I mean, it, of course, it's still front loaded in those first few months. You know, you can't leave an eight week old puppy alone for more than a couple hours. Right. But it's still, you know, you have those like pockets of, you know, rebellion where it seems like all your training went out the window. As pet sitters, it's actually kind of wonderful because you can get in there. And I mean, one of the biggest things is exercise, right? Like that is one of the main reasons for misbehavior. There's too much energy and the dog is trying to figure out how to entertain itself. And it does that poorly decisions <laughs> uh-huh. you know an overexcited dog does not make good decisions so a tired dog is always a good dog like i would love to see like pet sitters and especially dog walkers like almost have like a little puppy package because mm. a lot of my listeners for my podcast are future puppy owners and they're trying to figure out how to prepare for the puppy which i absolutely love like it it floors me and, and like they're my favorite people in the world because they're like getting ready and like they're concerned about like well I work so how many times a day do I need to come home or you know how many stop bys and when I'm like you might need two or three they really hesitate because of course it's a cost yeah of course it is but you know like how long can I leave the puppy in the crate and everything so like I feel like if and I always tell them I'm like Create a relationship with a dog walker or a pet sitter right away, even if you think you might not need them, because you're going to need them. <laughs> when, when, when the puppy comes home, you're going to be like, oh my goodness, yeah. I like you told me this was going to be work, but this is crazy. So if you have like, well, this is what I think you're going to need, you know, two stop bys a day, and that's going to help with potty training and crate training, and this is why. And, or maybe you have some like little socialization plan in there where you have certain parks and certain dogs that, you know, are super friendly and well socialized. Of course, you know, that goes with what you're, what you're willing to do and what your insurance allows and all of that, like on the business side, um, to kind of give the owner that little bit of a relief, you know, like they might not even know they need that stuff yet, but if you're like here, you're going to need this. And you give, like, think of them like a new parent. You give them that little bit of a relief, you know, because they have no idea that when they come home and they have a puppy who's been in a crate all day, that's a lot. Like, you're Mm going to feel that. But if (laughs) 
who've hired a dog walker or a pet sitter that's already come a couple times and taken that burden off of you a little bit, like you give them that and you're going to have a client for life, mm. you know? Yeah. And, and just that extra enrichment and extra exercise and, and like taking a little bit of that burden off the, the client, like, even if they don't work, like say there's an adult that's home during the day, they, they having a dog walker a few days a week. So you don't have to walk the dog every single time they have to go or a dog walker that has like a park that they can bring their, your dog to and run around a little bit and, and, and get some extra exercise. I mean, that can make a big difference, huge difference. Yeah. I really hear that. There's a lot of, uh, just, being being available and and educating them along the way and of yeah. the of the benefits of these things because as you said they might not even realize yeah. what they do or do not need but if right. you're standing over there going hey i have this puppy package this is what i do this is why it's good it, it helps yeah. with potty training socialization helps them get access to new things it's there uh you know we can try a, a we do a trial run or something like Mm -hmm. that, but just to just be available to them. Exactly. Like it's almost, it's like telling them what they need before they even know they need that. Right. (laughs) And just seeing that, like if I'm, if I have no idea, like if I've never owned a puppy and I'm on some, and I'm like, all right, all right. I need, I listened to this podcast and they told me I needed a pet sitter. What does Mm -hmm. that mean? And I see a puppy package. I was like, Oh, I, I didn't even know that I might need that. And you know, that, that can help tremendously. Cause like I said, I think that's like the number one thing, like, especially families, like parents with kids, mm-hmm. like this puppy comes into their life and they're like, Whoa, I was <laughs> not ready for this. Yeah. Like you can't get a puppy and go back to your old life. And a lot of people are very, um, thrown by that. Yeah. You know, cause they have this, this image of this wonderful dog playing in the park and, Loving the kids, but there's so much work to get there. Yeah. And it, it's so easy to underestimate. Yeah. Yeah. You, you touched on a little bit there of, of what are some of the biggest misconceptions that people have about puppies? And one of them sounds like just the, the lack of understanding of the amount of work and duration of it. Yes. Yes, definitely. I think, I think even, I think the duration of it is the bigger one only because like people get, they're like, yeah, I know puppies a lot of work, but it's like, it lasts a long time. It lasts a long time. Um, some other like misconceptions. Well, again, socialization is another one. Like people totally underestimate the importance of it and how how early you need to start doing it. Like even before the vaccines happen, even before you're ready to get out of the house with the dog. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't over socialize a dog. It's impossible. You can under socialize a dog. That's very possible. And I can't even tell you the myriad of behavior problems that don't even surface until they're like 18 months old. So that's why it's also hard to, to really convince people if they have, if they don't already know, if they're not a dog trainer and they study dog behavior, mm-hmm. they don't know. So that's, that's definitely the other really big one. And crate training, crate training. A lot of people don't like, cause they think it's a cage. Yeah. We put our kids in cribs and play pens to keep them safe. It's the same thing. You know, same thing. Like, I'm sure there might be parents out there with toddlers that have had them like crawl out of the top of their crib a hundred times where you wish you could just put something on top of it. Well, guess what? It's now a cage. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but that's our view. It's not our puppy's view. And the reason why 
the number one reason why puppies resist a crate isn't because they hate crate. It's because they don't like being separated from their owner. But that is something that we have to do or else you're going to have separation anxiety forever. Yeah. So they resist the crate because the puppy doesn't like it right away and they think it's a cage and it's, you just, you got to change your mindset around it. Have you heard about Time to Pet? Chrisanne from Raining Cats and Dogs has this to say. Becoming a Time to Pet client has been a game changer for us. We can give our pet services clients real-time, cloud-based information they never imagined they'd be interested in. And most importantly, to me personally, I can better manage my company and look forward to more. And not a small thing, Time to Pet is responsive to my request for new features and modifications to existing ones. If you are looking for new pet sitting software for your business, give Time to Pet a try. Listeners of Pet Sitter Confessional get 50% off their first three months when they sign up at timetopet.com slash confessional. On the opposite end of that, I, mm-hmm. I, I have, we've had clients I know that, that word for word they said, oh, when the dog starts misbehaving or gets too excited, just crate them for a couple hours and they'll be fine. How, do, how can I as a pet sitter work with that client who, who just doesn't either understand what crate training is or is that interested in working with their dog? Mm, that's tough. That's tough. And, and depending on the level of that, it can be very heartbreaking. Yeah. Well, the, the advantage of a pet sitter is that you have pretty regular contact with the dog. Your best option in that case would might be to show the owner, you know, like do what you know is right mm. and be like, listen, I tried this with your dog and it worked. Like maybe you even like take a little video of it mm. saying, you know, when they got excited, I played this game with them or I started doing a little bit of obedience. Cause that's a big one. Like when they get super, super excited, if you start like working their mind a little bit, I find that really focuses a puppy and it kind of like takes that edge off. So then you can like their behavior. Um, Even if it's like a silly game, like, you know, uh, going underneath the table or teaching them rollover, like just work their mind a little bit and focus. So if you do something like that and address their overexcitement without putting them in the crate and then be like, Hey, I tried this. It was great. They loved it. Look, it worked. Like maybe that can help the dog owner be like, oh, okay. Like they didn't even know that was an option. And that's what, that's what's nice. Cause like me as a trainer, I walk into a house, like I meet the dog what, once or twice. Mm-hmm. And if the owner's not going to listen to what I'm saying, there's nothing I can really do. But as a pet sitter, because you can actually be hands-on and like work with the dog a few times in a row and see the results, you could present that to the owner and be like, look, this is working. How about you try this this way too? I'm realizing that even during the the meet and greet, before you get to the owner saying those kind of things, asking them, hey, what kind of training are you doing? Where are you at in that? Just to Mm -hmm. give yourself a feel for um, anything going on. Because a lot of times they'll offer oh, they know these tricks or they know this or they know that. But being a little bit more specific of like, how exactly are you working with your new puppy so that A, I can be consistent and B, uh, I can, you know, maybe give some pointers or or, um, show you some other ways to possibly do it. Right. And if you present it in the way like, well, I've done this before, like I've tried this and it really worked. Do you mind if I try it? 
Yeah. Um, you know, and if they're a, a dog parent, that's like, ah, you know, like whatever, like they'll probably be like, I don't care. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and of course there's always having like relationships with, with trainers in the area to mm. have to recommend, but that can get tricky. Like even as a trainer, like I'm a soft sell because unless a, a parent is like asking for help, it's really hard to give it to them. Yeah. And that's why it's like, it's like, in my experience, like that gentle nudge is going to be, it's going to work better than, Hey. <laughs> You're doing this wrong. Yeah. <laughs> this is better. You know, it's it's just just like with training dogs. It's so much better to to show them what to do instead of just yelling at them for what not to do. Like mm-hmm. you kind of want to do that. It's like, yeah. look, look what I did and it worked here. You know, like show them what like an alternative. Mm-hmm. And if they don't like, I mean, at some point, like there's only so much you can do. I think of the number of times my wife and I have been very tempted to go out and buy gift certificates to dog trainers for people that we sit, but we've, re- <laughs> but, we- <laughs> but we've resisted and instead. <laughs> you we- leave the car nonchalantly on the yeah, couch. You've been like, Hey, Mer- Merry Christmas. Here's a, here's a three free sessions for your dog. Um, we've resisted that and instead have, have just, talk to them about it and been like, Hey, <laughs> we yeah. noticed that this is kind of a struggle. This is what we're doing. How are you working with that? And then, and then that way, cause most of the times they respond with, I really need help with that. Yeah. That one thing, I don't know how to get over that. Do you have any suggestions? And then you can go, Oh, there's a great trainer across the street or whatever. Like, so there, there are ways to work into that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, they almost have to ask for it. It's, it's, it can be, it can be tough. I mean, I mean, once you get to, if you like really know the client, like obviously, and you have a relationship with them, like it's going to be easier to be like, Hey, I know this better way of doing it. Yeah. Um, but you know, if they're newer, especially if they're a puppy client, I'm going to assume they're a new client. Like you can even say, I've worked with this trainer before and they showed me these tricks and you know, let me try them or maybe we can try them. Let's talk about maybe some leash training basics and when as a pet sitter, we can start working with a puppy on them and encourage the owner to do the same. Super young puppies. Like I'm talking like two to like four months old. At that point, all you're doing is getting them used to wearing the leash or wearing the harness. Like at first, a lot of puppies need to get used to just wearing a collar. Mm Mm-hmm. Because at that point, they're not really going for walks. Like maybe if you don't have a fenced-in backyard, then you they always need to wear a leash. You know, you're always walking them on a leash. Um, but like they're not really going to go for a walk down the street. That's when you're fi- going to find them like this lay down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's fine. Because one, they shouldn't be going on those long walks because their joints are, are you know, growing so rapidly at that point. And that might be why they don't like it. Cause they're like, this kind of hurts. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I'm tired. But once they get to like four or five months, that's, that's when they really start to take to like the leash and the walk and everything. And that's, that's when you should start working with them. It's really easy for a puppy to get bad habits on a leash because they're small and they're not that strong, you know? So when you have like a 10, 15 pound puppy you know, pulling you down the road, you might not think about it too much. I mean, this goes with, I guess, any dog, really. Um, then when you have you know, your full-grown 60 to 80-pound dog, where all of a sudden you're like, whoa, 
you need to fix this. Yeah. But if you start right away with proper leash manners, even though, you know, it's easy to let the pulling go right away, then they they don't build that bad habit. Now, the thing is, is with puppies is that they're more about exploration than actual like walking, you know, and it kind of goes back to the whole socialization thing. Like that will tire them out even more, like, because they, they want to explore explore everything they don't want to walk in a straight line down the street right, that's not fun <laughs> yeah and that's and to me like that's okay in fact you can use that to your advantage where you know if they say they like take off and they want to go chase a leaf or grab or go see what's over there that tree or maybe there's even another dog walking down the street you know you do the whole you know you stop and they can't go anywhere if they're pulling but as soon as they're like kind of slack in the leash, they're walking next to you and walking nicely, then you bring them over and let them explore. And that's their reward. And for a puppy, there's no greater reward. So, but yeah, I wouldn't even bother until they're like maybe four or five months. Because like I said, walking really isn't a big thing for puppies younger than that. And and one of the reasons you said is that they have joints and there could be some potential injuries from that. I'm mm-hmm. I'm curious as to what other puppy specific injuries or health concerns we should be watchful and mindful of? Um, well, there isn't much, you know, besides like the parvo thing that I, that I, we already talked about with the vaccines and everything. Mm-hmm. Puppies tend to have very sensitive stomachs, you know, especially if, if the clients are traveling and they're not around and like you're in charge of all their food or if they're staying at your house. So there's other food around. You want to be really mindful of that because a sudden change in a puppy's diet can give them tummy problems. Mm. And especially if they're still being potty trained, that can throw a lot of things like up, up in the air. But I do, most will grow out of it, but I do notice that a lot of them do have that sensitive stomach. Mm. Uh, and then, like I said, younger puppies, the exercise should be kind of on their terms. You know, like they can play and play and play, but when it, they should have the option to just kind of sit there and rest, you know? So it's like a game of fetch or a game of tug with a toy, not like a walk down the street. Come on, let's keep going. Other than that, I mean, it's probably the same as, as an adult dog. I mean, maybe even less because do- puppies are very agile. Mm-hmm. Like they, they can be, you know, fall down a flight of stairs and get up and keep running. I mean, yeah. don't throw your puppy down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You get my point where that it might even be less detrimental to them than an eight-year-old dog. Oh, yeah. But those, those couple of things. And just about every puppy out there is going to have worms at some point. And that's, that's just something, you know, if they're having a little trouble eating, like they're not really eating a whole lot, or you see them because you'll see them in like their, their poop, mm-hmm. um, that's definitely something to, to address and just about so that's something to watch out for. That's usually when they first get the puppy because they they get it from their litter mates and and it's very hard to get rid of because they just keep giving them to each other until you know you get them to your own vet and you get rid of them. They're so it's easy to get rid of and but it's just kind of gross and sometimes it's hard to tell your client. Um, yeah, your dog has has something going on over there. Yeah, that's that's not an easy conversation to have because especially if it's their first dog or maybe like you mentioned earlier, their first puppy, it can mm-hmm. just saying the word worms really sends people off into some bad yeah. <laughs> bad places. <laughs> yeah, and like and that's the thing that when when they when I cuz I I mean I see it from a mile away now because I've seen it in almost every puppy I've encountered and that's yeah. what I say I'm like listen, every single one has it. 
it's just, you know, your vet's going to tell you that too. You know, it's just a week worth of medicine and you're done. Like, no. and keep them away from other dogs, like yeah. <laughs> for that time. But it's, it's the most common puppy ailment out there. I want to give you a chance to tell us about your, your podcast that you have, because it's an amazing resource. I think <laughs> the, the title, where people can find it, all that good stuff. All right. Well, it's your new puppy and it, I mean, you can find it anywhere. Um, iTunes, Google play. Spotify. I think I even looked up it's on iHeartRadio, like really anywhere. And if there is a place that it's not, please tell me because I'll get it there. And also on my website, playtimepause.com. You can always listen to it from there. Any podcast, you can go to the website and listen to it from there. But yeah, it's it's really super short, like 10, 15 minute episodes where I just talk about one topic relating to puppies or young dogs. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of fun with it. No, that's really cool. Yeah, I, there's just a ton of information there. And so I think I know you said it was mostly geared to new puppy owners. But mm-hmm. as pet as pet sitters, a just knowing that this kind of resource is out there to recommend to clients, but b you know, a lot of this stuff also applies to us whenever we're taking care of the the, the puppy too. Right. Like just like with the questions that you asked me, like to have that information to help your clients like i would imagine that they would appreciate it yeah. so much like to be like oh i know this about crate training oh i know this about separation anxiety like mm-hmm. i mean i would imagine you know the more information and resources you could provide them like that that ups your own service so do you have any other puppy related resources or information that that um you know we could share with our clients that you that you reference a lot Well, anything by Ian Dunbar and Patricia McConnell. I'm a big book reader and I take a lot of like online courses and stuff, but anything by them, I will read and gobble up and I love it, especially Patricia McConnell. I really like her because she really breaks things down and gives really great examples. In fact, if you do read her, you will see how my styles of teaching and and podcast is very much influenced by it. I also really love, there's a book, Canine Body Language, because I also think that anybody who works with dogs, including dog owners, should have a general knowledge of canine body language. And it's just canine body language, a photographic guide by Brenda Alou. And then there's, there's, other, there's other resources out there, but that's something, like I said, you know, knowing when a dog is a little anxious, knowing when they're a little nervous or when they're excited and about to pounce on something, you can see it in their entire body. And especially as a pet sitter who's um, working with dogs all the time, it's an amazing thing to, to be able to recognize and see. Yeah, that, that's one of those really basic fundamental knowledge blocks of a pet owner and a pet care professional that yeah. that is will just pay its dividends for years and years and years to come to to take the time to learn that at any stage and it just it's amazing how much of a difference that can make in your interactions and in how you introduce dogs and how you get to know them and just it, yes. it changes the whole thing yeah especially especially if you have other dogs playing you know with with other you know like you have like say you board multiple dogs in your home or something and that's what I started with. So that's why like dog body language is where like my, I guess, training education, you could say started. Yeah. I mean, I would spend hours at dog parks, just watching dogs and seeing what like 
nobody else sees, you know, you could see the pet owners like reacting in the, in the, like, because they just don't know, you know, yeah. Yeah. where I'm like, I could see a fight happen, you know, 10 minutes before it happened now. And to be able to do that um, is not only great for the dogs, but again, it's a, it's a service to your dog owner. Even if you can say, Hey, look, <laughs> you know, they're about to do that. It's definitely one of the cores. As a dog trainer and interacting with dogs on a daily basis, do you have any favorite products or services that you you recommend a lot that people should have on hand or, or should be using? Well, um, I use, I always, I never leave home without my liver treats. The Stewart's Pro Treats, they like come in a bucket and they, so I, I buy them, by, I buy them by the bucket and you can get them <laughs> They're at any pet store online. Like they're very, they're very common. And I love them because I try to, I try to go for like the nutritional, like natural route. And so there's only one ingredient in them, just liver. Mm. And I like the chicken ones because they break apart a lot easier and they're smaller. And I've never met a dog that didn't absolutely love these treats. So if you're teaching them something new or say you, you need to bribe them for a second, <laughs> um, I'm not above bribing in emergency situations, Yeah, <laughs> uh, especially as a pet sitter when it's like, all right, I just need to get you inside. I've, they, they work every time. Like dogs love them. And let me tell you every time I need to like buy stock in this company because when I walk out of a a uh, client session, like they're always on like Amazon. Like, where do I get them? <laughs> right. <laughs> you need... The dog, the dog loves them. <laughs> my, <laughs> my other essential training tool is like a long line. I mm. love long lines. I mean, especially if you, even if you have like a fenced in backyard, like to give them a little bit of freedom, especially when you're training, like recall and, and like playing different games with them to give them that freedom, but you still have the control where you can bring them to you quickly. Um, it's really great if you take them to like a park and you want to socialize them and you find like a nice big open area to have a long line, not a retractable leash, a long line. Yes. Yeah. Let's, yeah. We need to emphasize that those are two very different things. Yes. And, and if you need the dog to be further away from you when you're doing those specific training, socialization and ex exploring long lines all the way. Don't, yes. don't, don't even bother with uh, retractable. No, I, I, I like want to go into all the pet stores, grab all the retractable leashes and just like run away with them. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, buy and then light them on fire. Right. It's the, yes. yes. I'm like, I just, how can, how, how much money do I need to be able to afford to buy everyone in existence? Like just so nobody else does. Yeah, that's a, that's an uphill battle and and a, and a point of education for clients because that tends to be the default that most dog yes. owners get. Yes. And yes. and that is a great conversation starter uh into it's, into other things, right? That's just Right. And and you know what? That's one of the main things. It's one of the first things I do is I'm like, "You know what? Here, like when I see them with the retractable leash, I'll like hand them my leash and be like, "Here, just use this for like a week." Mm you're going to see the difference. And almost every time they come back, they're like, oh my gosh, it's so much better. Like they don't even realize how much less control they have over their dog with a retractable leash. Yeah. And I think it's just because they see everybody have a retractable leash. So it must be better. Mm -hmm. and I'm like, just try it. Just, just switch for a week and then let me know what you think. <laughs> and like every time they're, they're like a convert because it just feels better. Debbie, I am so thankful for you coming on our show today and just sharing 
just gobs of information. And I know we barely touched on, on, on puppies in general. There's so much more out there. If, oh if, if people have more questions and they want to reach out and follow along with your work, uh, how can they do that? Um, well, there's my website. Play, my, my company's Playtime Paws. So my website is playtimepause.com and then social media, Facebook and Instagram. I'm on there a lot. I'm in my DMs and my messages all the time. You can find me there too. Both are Playtime Pause. And your podcast again was? Yes, was Your New Puppy. And it's under, usually you can find it under like pets or animals like category. But if you just put in either Playtime Pause or Your New Puppy, it pops right up. Wonderful. Well, well, Debbie, again, thank you so much for coming on today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. This was a pleasure and so much fun. I absolutely loved the idea that Debbie had for pet sitters offering a puppy package, whether that was for walks or frequent visits or frequent potty breaks throughout the day. I can definitely see that being really popular moving forward with everybody having adopted new puppies or maybe having a new dog for the first time. What's so important is to not only communicate that you offer it, but also communicate why it is so needed to potential clients or maybe even existing ones. Debbie gave us a lot of resources to go and check out. So look in the show notes for this week's episode to see links to all of those that she mentioned, or you can go to her website at petsitterconfessional.com and click on this week's episode. We'd like to take this moment to thank our sponsor, Time to Pet, for making this week's show possible. We'd love to get connected with you. So check us out on Facebook or Instagram at petsitterconfessional.com shoot us an email at feedback at Pets Her Confessional. We love hearing your stories. We love learning from your experiences and helping to share those with other people.